You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. We've got something special here, boys and girls. Come on up. I need some volunteers. This is my favorite, this is my favorite gift I got. This is my favorite gift that I got for Christmas. You know, I got a lot of things, but this is my best gift ever, all right? So this is, this is now you know a little bit more about me, is that I like to throw stuff, all right? So I need three volunteers. Obviously, the boys are putting their hand up first. Girls, anybody would like to throw? Yes, thank you. Liesl's ready to go, man. She's like, or she's just going, oh, people are putting their hands up. I want to put my hand up too. All right. Well, why don't we pick Liesl? You want to throw one? Nice. Would you like to throw one? Yes. All right. And right there. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, three volunteers. Okay, Linda, I need some help. Why don't we get the, the volunteers back to the red line? Back to the red line and the throwers. Okay, guys, got to watch out or you're going to get an axe to the forehead. <laughs> These axes are friendly, all right? Parents, don't worry. They're not real. They're just nerf, all right? They're not going to hurt anybody, all right? Who would like to go first? Let's go with the ladies, all right? Where'd Liesl go? She's just, Liesl, would you like to throw one? Liesl, you want to come up? All right. Okay, mom and dad, you're going to be proud of this moment. Here we go. Liesl, you throw, you try and throw it at the perfect shot. It sticks on there. Good. You got to throw it. You go throw it. (laughs) This is perfect. Throw it. Nice. See if you can stick it on there. Nice try. Well done, Liesl. Liesl got four. All right. Who's next? Here, Linda, you want to help? Nice try. Well done. <laughs> Whoopsie daisies. Nicely done. Well done. All right. Right there, right there, right there. Maddie's up. Oh, nice try. It's kind of tricky because you got to spin it to hit that, that Velcro piece. Well, I should actually get the parents this. Whoa. Well done. All right. Here, take two. You get two in a row. Stand back the red line. See what we can do. Whoa. Nice shot. Nicely done. Look at that. You can tell why this is my favorite. All right, kids. You're going to learn about this. And your parents are going to learn about this stuff too. I'm not going to get your parents to throw it. I should actually. All right. But this right here, this is what, what's this called? The bullseye. Perfect. What is this? This is a whole target, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about sin today. And the bullseye is perfection. You actually can't get better than perfection, right? Holiness. Everything else outside of that, it's an archery term, not an axe throwing term. But they used to say, here, Linda, grab me one of those, bull, those axes. If you would hit here, they would go, sin, two inches, because sin, sin means missing the mark, all right? So you're missing the mark. The mark is perfection, holiness. 
If you miss the mark, they would say sin two inches or sin four inches or sin one foot. All right? So you've missed the mark of holiness. All right? So we're going to pray for you. And then you're going to head out to Sunday school. Oh, missed it. All right? Let me pray for all of you guys as you go and learn more about Jesus today. Because we want to aim for holiness. All right? That's what we're aiming for. All right? Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much for these kids. I thank you for opportunities to teach and lead them to you, Jesus, our only hope. You are our only hope. As we've already sung, Jesus, we thank you that you give us amazing grace. And I pray for Linda as she leads these kids and Desiree as they lead in teaching, uh, Lord, that they will come to know you as Lord and Savior of their life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll see you guys later, all right? All right. Anybody want to throw? Chance at the throw of the axe? Maybe later. <laughs> okay, maybe later. It'll be here. All right, family, friends, family, moms and dads, let's rise as we read the reading of God's Word this morning. We are in the book of 1 John, continuing in our series. And we are in verses, or chapter 3, verses 4 through 10 this morning. So let's... Uh, Let's read together. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bibles. It says this, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children... Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is the word of God. All right, let's grab a seat and let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll jump into the text this morning. <clears throat> Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can learn from it, read it, and understand it. I pray, Jesus, of a special understanding today. That as we read these words, that we will take hold of them and, and apply them to our heart. That we won't just be hearers of the word, that we'll, but that we will be doers of the word, as you say in the book of James. And so, Jesus, I pray for us as a church body, as a family. I pray for myself as well as we, as we walk in this world, that there's so many temptations around us to lead us away from you. And I pray for our focus, that our, pray, our fo that our focus will be on that bullseye, that to be on, to be at holiness, no matter what we ever, what we do, what we come across, what, what, how we live our lives, that we will always be focused in on you because of what you have done for us. We thank you, Jesus, for your life, your death, your resurrection, that we might have eternal hope in you. And I pray, Jesus, as we walk through this text, that we will see it more clearly today that you'll open our hearts to it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, kind of as a way of a reminder again, John here is shepherding the church. And as I'm reading my devotions in the mornings, I'm, I'm coming across shepherd, that word shepherd so much more. And the, and the shepherd, you see shepherding along uh, the lines of, in 1 Timothy 3, we see an overseer and a shepherd or a pastor uh, of a church, of a church body. And we see this in 1 Timothy 3, the characteristics of a true shepherd. We see this in, uh, also in Titus chapter 1. We also see this in 1 Peter 5. But one of the most famous areas of Scripture, I actually preached on it on January 1st, I believe, it was the markers of a true Christian out of Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21. And I preached on Psalm 23 back, uh, I believe, on one of our launch Sundays, where this is one of the most famous of shepherd texts, where the Lord is our shepherd. And so let's read it really quickly because it's going to apply here to our text here in 1 John as well. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That's a really important line right there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, in this text, you see that the Lord provides. He leads us to rest. He leads us to still waters. He leads us to green pastures. He restores us. He leads us to righteousness. He comforts us. He protects us. He prepares for us an eternal home. He anoints us and is with us forever. This is a true shepherd. This is, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, that's what these things do. He leads me in all these things for his namesake. He leads me because he's my shepherd for his namesake. It's all for him. It's all for his glory. See, we do nothing in this text but follow. And that's our responsibility. As I said last week when we read little children abide in him, that's our responsibility to, be follow, to follow the true shepherd See, the hero is Jesus, the provider is Jesus, the Lord is Jesus, and we follow and obey, period. That is our call and our task. See, the Lord also warns us of wolves disguised in sheep's clothing. We see this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. We see lions lurking outside our door to devour us in 1 Peter 5, 8. And also, a good shepherd also warns us of our heart's desires, as James does in his letter to the church in James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. We see shepherding everywhere and instruction to be warned of these things around us. See, I'm reminding, of, reminding us of this because this letter from John is speaking to the church, warning them again of the teachings of the Gnostics, the false teaching that has infiltrated the church, telling you that, you know, it sins outside of you. It's not part of you. It's outside of you. That Jesus that Jesus uh, didn't die on the cross like it was a form of him. It wasn't truly him. See, warning against these things, that, that, that Jesus didn't need to die, that you were a good person, that you can be actually sinless. And John has warned that there will be teachers that twist the message that we have heard from the beginning. In our day, we have messages like this, that God, that love wins. God wouldn't cast you into eternal hell. That's not loving God wouldn't tell you that you were a sinner. 
God wants the best life for you right now. God wouldn't kill Jesus. That is cosmic child abuse. God doesn't want you to suffer. God wants you to be the main character of the story. That you might be glorified for what you do for him as if God needs us. See, the subtle message is that you have gifts, you have strength, you are meant for purpose. And actually, those things are true. But the thing is, the subtle message of the false teacher doesn't finish the sentence. They just stay with, you have gifts, you have strength, you have purpose. They don't end with like Psalm 23 and 1 John with, for the Lord's namesake. And you are given those gifts by the Lord for the Lord's namesake. See, and the lies continue. We see it on the screen here. Some of the lies that we've already covered in 1 John, it says you can walk in darkness and be fine. Chapter 1, verse 6. You can actually proclaim that you have no sin. You don't need to obey the commands of God. You don't need to love your brother. You can go after desires of the flesh, the eyes, and be about you. You don't need to be in the church. You could deny Jesus and his words and be okay. You can practice sin and be okay. And these are all false statements that John is reminding us of because these are teachings that are infiltrating the church and he's going, no, this is not true. This is not right. These are false statements that you might be believing in. See, these warnings can be more needed for us as a church and we need to take notice of what we are listening to and allowing to change us, especially when the teachers are taking the words of God and twisting them to make it fit their message. Because like a few weeks ago, I shared that we will have people coming in the name of Jesus by distorting the message. Like in Matthew chapter 24, verse 5, it says, For many will come in my name. Many will come. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. I'm proclaiming Christ, which means anointed one. I'm coming in the name of Jesus, and I'm an anointed one. And then they twist the words of God, leading many astray. And we are warned in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, 18 and 19, that if anyone adds to these words, or if anyone takes away the words of God, that they will receive the plagues that are in the scripture. In fact, there are over 100, 100 verses, over 100 verses giving us this warning. In Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, it says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I'm astonished that you, Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, God the Father, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. A different gospel just means good news. You're turning to a different good news for you. And oftentimes it is for you to glorify your self-kingdom to be about you and your wants and your needs and your desires instead of for the Lord's namesake, for God's glory. 
See, again, John is speaking to the Gnostics of the day, those that have proclaimed a special knowledge, those that are proclaiming to hear the word of God spoken to them and which then denied Jesus by twisting his word, teaching a different type of Jesus. And friends, it was so subtle back then. It was so subtle. And John, that's why John wrote his letter, because it was such a subtle message infiltrating the church. And so John wrote a letter to the church to, warning them. And it's subtle today too. It's such a subtle message that is coming into the realm of the church. And we must be on guard. And being on guard is that we know the words of God. We must know the word of God. Is Jesus only being mentioned or is he being proclaimed as the true shepherd? Is the whole story that, the, that they are saying about Jesus, about his glory, or is it about subtly about your glory? See, remember the story I, I shared, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago, I can't remember, but I shared the story of the timeline of God's story. And this book was written by 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years, over three different continents, all telling one story and the story of Jesus. That's what it is. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about him. It's all about him. Every page of this. So we don't actually need a new revelation. We don't need a new voice. We don't need a new message. That's what John is getting at. You don't need a new message, church. Remember the one that was spoken to you from the beginning. In the beginning, it was Jesus. And that's what he's going back to. You, people will come in, in Jesus' name proclaiming a new message, a new revelation, a new word from God. We don't need it. We have it already in the pages of Scripture. So we need to be warned about these things. Second Peter, actually, one, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that, to, that pertain to life and godliness. You have everything in the words of God here to pertain to life and godliness, to aim for the holiness, to aim for the bullseye. You have everything here. You don't need another voice other than God's. This is why it's so important. So in our text today, in 1 John there's a word that is mentioned 10 times, and that's why I'm going after this. 10 times in this short little, ver this short, short little section, and it's the word sin. So we need to define this. What is sin? And many of you, like I've even defined it for our kids because it is that important. We need to have this conversation with our kids all the time. Parents, moms and dads, it's really important that they understand the depravity of sin and how horrible it is. And that's what we're going after today. We're telling, essentially, I'm telling the story of God throughout this morning, okay? So follow with me. So what is sin? Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature to be in opposition of God. Okay, that's what sin is, to be in opposition of God, to be contrary to what he is doing. If this is holiness, this then is sin. It's complete opposite. So therefore, a life pleasing to God it is opposite of what sin would be. It is one that is moral purity, moral purity not only in actions but also in the desires of the heart. The greatest command calls us to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the greatest command, to live in holiness, to go after that bullseye, the perfection of holiness. 
And last week, we, we started with little children. Abide in him. Little children, abide in Jesus. This is our whole responsibility to go after the holiness of God himself. So anything in action or attitude that is contrary to God's holiness is sin. And there is no one here immune to that. There's no one here immune to this. See, let me show you in in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, it says, For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, which means everyone born in this planet, are under sin, as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. This means that when you were born, and I hear this actually when I hear people's testimonies, I've always been a Christian. That's actually a false statement. You actually were a child of wrath. You were separate from God from birth. It says in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We started sinful. And everyone here, and it started, I'm going to say something really important. I'm going to touch on it close to the end of the sermon. But everyone here was born of the seed of man. Every one of you had a father. And I don't need to explain how that works. I think you all understand how that works. But the seed of man is what we have. And this is really important. This is why God in Jesus is perfectly holy because God impregnated Mary. This is why the virgin birth is incredibly important. We're going to touch on this in our Easter service, in our Easter sermon series, is that the virgin birth is incredibly important because we do have teachings of today that are trying to deny that. And so the reason for God's holiness, Jesus' holiness, is because he didn't have the seed of man. He had the seed of the Holy Spirit. And we'll get there. And so following along, Romans 5.12, actually Paul says that that it continues on. This is where we get uh, the seed of man continues. It says, therefore, just as sin, sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Through the seed of man, now everyone after Adam was born into sin. Really important doctrine to understand. Ephesians 2.3 says, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, so we can't say that I've always been a Christian. We actually all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Every one of us. Every one of us. So let's take a look at our outline really quick. I'm already hitting point number one. So point number one is this, practice of sin. And we're going to hit every verse. And John here, you can see on the outline there the different verses that are hit on different different points were that John hits the same thing over and over again in this text. And you can see that practice of sin, we see it in 4, 8, and 9. Purification of sin, we see in 5 and 7. Preventer of sin, we see 6, 8, and, 10, 6, 8, and 9. And then children of God at the end, we'll close with that. Sound good? All right, let's go through practice of sin, continue on this sin. So we've defined sin. Now let's look at what the text says in 1 John. It says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, sin is lawlessness. And then skipping down to 8, the beginning of 8, it says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And then in verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. You can see John's repetitive words here, practice of sinning, practice of sinning, practice 
of sinning. See, in the lawlessness, to define this, lawlessness is breaking the highest authority known as God's authority. Like, we all live, whether you believe in God or not, you live under the authority of God. Like, because God is holy. God is the supreme deity. He, there is no other. So whether you believe in him or not, that doesn't, like, I can say I don't believe in the wind. I can say I don't believe in something else, but there's, it's there. Like, God, God's authority is there. He is the creator of all things. He is sovereign. Always has been, always will be. So we then live under his highest authority, and the highest authority is God's law. So lawlessness, then, is behaving in such a way that you're openly defying God's law. This is lawlessness. Openly define it. All right? Seeing God's holiness and openly define it. Let me, let me give you an analogy along with my target here. Let me pull this target back up here. I won't have anybody throwing axes at me. It's very dangerous. But like I said to the kids, this is holiness. This is perfection. Anything outside of this is lawlessness. It's sinful. So think three people. That's why I had three volunteers. A couple kids snuck in, so we had about five kids thrown at that. But that's okay. They're disobedient. We'll discipline them later, right? Just kidding. All right, so we had some fun up here with the kids. All right, I didn't want to do it with them, but I'm going, you know what? One of them, it looks like, you know what? I'm not even trying, right? I'm just throwing it, whatever. So let's just say one of the persons, okay, so there are the three options, and you can see it on the screen there. One of the persons is like, I'm not actually looking at this at all. I am so darkened in my flesh that there hasn't been a rebirth yet. And so all I do is actually, I'm actually aiming for sin. I'm aiming to miss the mark. I am seeking out my desires, my wants, my will. This is one option. They're children of wrath. They don't seek holiness. They actually seek anything of their kingdom. That's one option. Second option is the person that doesn't care. Right? Just throwing whatever. I don't care. But I'm not seeking holiness. I may like the idea of the Bible... I might like the idea of a God, but you know what? I'm going to make up my own rules of who that God says can do. And we have this everywhere in our culture right now, whether it be LGBTQ in the church or lawlessness within the church, whatever. My, my God's loving to all people. Lawlessness. It's against what God's authority actually says. And so I don't really care where, where I throw it, but I'm not aiming for the holiness. So one person, two person, three person, third person, actually everything they see is the holiness. They are aiming for it in all that they do. Now, will they miss the target? Yes, at times. But their whole aim, their heart, mind, soul, and strength is aiming at the holiness. They're doing everything they can to aim for God because they realize they've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior and they realize that all things are actually for him. And I'm seeking to aim and hit that bullseye with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. I'm trying, with all of my soul, I am trying to hit that bullseye. And many of you are here aiming for the holiness. 
So we have these three, per- these three persons, one person that is trying to miss, one person that doesn't care, and one person that is seeking holiness. So let's look at our second point now to help us understand this. Purification of sin, verses 5 through se- and 7. It says this, you know that he appeared, Jesus appeared. And this is the continuation of the story, right? The fall, our sin, the fall of Adam, our sin, depraved mind. Now here's the good news. He, you know that Jesus appeared in order to take away, to take away the sin. He paid for it in full with his blood shed on the cross, saving us. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin because of he wasn't impregnated with the seed of man. There is no sin. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. From a heart level, I'm seeking to hit that bullseye every single time. Do I miss? Absolutely. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. This is person number three. They're practicing to hit that bullseye. And now Jesus comes in to take away the lawless heart and give us a new heart of righteousness. He cleanses us from our old nature and gives us and renews us to a new nature. So when looking at the target, we now see a purpose, a goal to hit the bullseye, the perfection of Christ. Remember Psalm 23? For his namesake. Because he's my shepherd. So I want to do what my shepherd says. I want to follow him because he's good and right and he's got a rod and a staff and he wants to guide me through the valleys. He's so good, I can't wait to follow him. Jesus is the bullseye. And he is abiding in the Father. And he is calling us to abide in him as he abides in the Father. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to lead us, to give us a new birth. And in the scripture, we we see born of him. And in this text, we see that God, we have now God's seed, and that's our third, third point. So it's key on that born of him. Look at our next section in number three, preventer of sin. So we have, we have the, the practice of sin, the purification of sin, which is Jesus, and now the preventer of sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, now remember, in my opening, I talked about the seed of man and how through the seed of man all have sinned all the way from the womb. Here we see the seed of God abiding in us. Really important text. The seed of God now abides in us. This is so cool. This is the new beginning, the new birth. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's born new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I'm not flinging the axe everywhere anymore. I am aiming for the bullseye now. I've, I've got a new nature. There's, a, there's something inside me that wants to now shoot for the bullseye. 
In John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered Nicodemus and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even see the, the holiness of Jesus. You think it's a good idea. I'm just going to shoot wherever I want. I might have the idea of a Bible. I might, like, I might have gone to church all my life, but I'm not seeking to hit Jesus in all I have. And then you have 1 Peter 1, 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, which is man's seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. This is where you get the seed. The word of God, the Holy Spirit. See, seed here in 1 John 3, 9, in the Greek, it means sperma. It's actually where we get the word sperm from. And this is what impregnates us with a new nature. It's a new nature. This is the same word used in the parable of the soils where, where you have the seeds spread into the different soils for the sole purpose of growth, to produce life. And this seed is from God transforming us and making us new, making us ones that used to try to miss the target, didn't care, child of wrath, and all of a sudden we're impregnated by the grace of Jesus Christ with this new seed and we can't now help but aim for that holiness can't help it. And this seed moves us from the family of the devil to the family of God, which we see in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. Nothing can remove this seed when it is implanted in you. Like I said last week, once you're saved, you're always saved. You can't remove that seed. Nothing actually can remove the seed of God within you. And you know, you, you know, you just have a new desire to hit that mark. So Jesus is the preventer of sin. He kills the old nature and redeems us by giving us a new nature. And we should look different, right, family? We should look different. Like when you confess Jesus as Lord and all of his holiness, it, it's going to change you. And it's not something, it's the Holy Spirit will change you. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's something that goes on in you that just transforms you to new life. Where you look at things and you're going, I don't want to aim over there. Why would I do that? It's foolishness. And you confess your sin and come back and something inside you just is, is killing you. You just can't hit that anymore. I got to go back here. Turn to, turn to Hebrews chapter 10 if you have your Bibles. I was reading this with Jody, just talking about this sermon uh, this week. And this, this verse popped up to my head when I was thinking about this text and, and just like thinking about this target again. Let me grab it. And you have this. This essentially is a falling back, right? And we hear this term, like I've backslid. But there's no such thing as backsliding. It's a holiness. There's a desire. And we see this in Hebrews 10. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, the last three verses of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, For yet a little while, and the coming one, Jesus, will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Living by faith to seek the holiness of God. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This next verse is incredibly important. 
But we are not of those who shrink back. You've been born of a seed, with a new seed. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. You might miss the bullseye. I'm with you. I do it all the time. But there's something inside you that burns to the point you can't live there any longer. You just go after that bullseye. And you confess your sin and come to him. And this is the road of sanctification. So we have practice of sin, which is lawlessness, not even looking for the holiness of God. Then you have the purification of sin, which we did nothing. Jesus did everything. And he came into the story and cleanses us from all unrighteousness and forgives us our sin and creates in us a new heart to serve him and follow him. This is the purification of sin. And the preventer of the sin is this new seed, the, the Holy Spirit indwelling us, sealing us, as we, we studied back a year ago in Ephesians chapter 1. He's is he is our, he our new uh, guarantee of our holiness, the Holy Spirit within us. And he calls us children. Look at verse 10, our last point. By this it is evident who are the children of God, And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, John here is simply giving us a a really practical application to what it looks like to live for righteousness, to be about God, is to love your brother. It's a super practical, easy one. And remember, he's writing a letter to the church. And he says this over and over, actually. We're going to see it again multiple times about the loving your brother. He's given the church a practical thing, most likely because the church was broken. And there's probably most likely a lot of people within the church that weren't actually loving each other. And he brings this instruction to warn them. If you're not loving your brother, you actually don't love God. And so the practical example of what it is to be righteous, to what it is to be changed, what it is to have the seed of God resting in you is a desire to love your brother. And like I preached on January 1st about Romans 12, 9 through 21, you would abhor evil, you would show hospitality, you rejoice in the hope of Jesus Christ. You would live out the markers of a true Christian. And everything that honors the commands that God has given us would become now your, your nature. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because I'm doing this for his name's sake. Not for mine. But for him. I look at people differently now because of him. Because he's my shepherd. See, it is what we are now made up of. God's seed produces in us holiness. We don't have it in us. We're children of wrath. But when we're saved by the seed of God, everything changes. See, the sin of man produces death, but God's seed produces holiness. And we see this everywhere in Scripture. My most famous parts of Scripture talk of this in Romans chapter 8. Verses 1 through 17, take a look at it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 521, love that text. 
It also talks of this, letting, putting off the old nature, putting on the new. And also, like I said, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 3, 8. We read that at prayer this morning. Again, talks of this, putting off the old and, and, and putting on the new. And there's also another passage I want to read with us. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. Or sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 3 through 7. It's not on the screen, so you might have to flip in your Bibles to it. Second, second Thessal- or First Thessalonians. Thessalonians, fun to say. Thessalonians. All right. Verses 3 through 7. It says this, For this is the will of God. Oh, ears need to perk up here. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, becoming more like him. Stop and move from the outside of the target to the inner bullseye. This is your, the will of God is to get you from throwing that ax everywhere and get you to seek out his holiness. Your sanctification, become more like him. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother. There's that loving your brother thing. In this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, For God has not called us for impurity, but holiness. He's called us for holiness. So the question, the application from a shepherd to his church, does our life, better yet, does our heart urgently desire to honor Jesus? Does it? Does our heart urgently desire to honor Jesus. And I'm with you. I'm asking that of myself as well. See, when you are scrolling on your phone and you, and you doing it to, are you doing it to glorify Jesus? And you know, when you've been changed by the seed of God, you know when you're scrolling in the wrong way, don't you? Like it burns inside of you? Or when you're flipping the TV, trying to choose a movie to watch? Or when you're reading something or looking at something? If you have this God, the seed of God in you, you know you're doing wrong. And if you can relate to what I'm saying right now, God seeds in you. God seeds in you. And a warning, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then most likely you don't have the seed of God in you. Because it burns in you where you can't, you can't live any longer in not hitting the target. And so you've got to run back to Jesus. Confess your sin. Seek him. With all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, to honor Him. That's what this story is about. It's about Him, it's not about us. And that is the, the most beautiful identity language you could ever get is that when you seek Him with all of your heart, 
You are his child. You're living out your childhood. You're a child of God's to go and proclaim his name for his name's sake, to proclaim and tell people about your shepherd. It's all about him. See, these are, these are battles, no doubt. And we wage war all the time. That's why I mentioned those verses that, that there's a lion lurking to destroy you. There are wolves in sheep's clothing to teach false doctrines. See, these are battles, and we need to face them with the Word of God. With a, with a, with a heart that is seeking to glorify Jesus Christ because his work is already accomplished. And that's what we hold on to. So when you know that you know that you know that you're doing wrong, that you're, that you're seeking actually lawlessness, you can rest in the fact that Jesus loves you and turn from that sin and come back to him. Like 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your sin and he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because why? He's your, he's your father. You're his child. You're adopted into his family. He's filled you with a seed, and you can't lose it. So live in your identity of Jesus Christ. So the question we end with again is, are we aiming for him? Are we seeking Jesus in all we do? At work, at play, in the home, in your quietness, in your heart, are you seeking him? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge. I thank you for the warnings that you've given us because you love us. As a good father warns his kids crossing a street, you warn us of the sin of our heart that you see us running away from you, yet you continually draw us back with your spirit. Thank you. Please help those that are ignoring your spirit to now confess and, and receive your spirit and be implanted with the seed of God to be changed eternally. Lord, help us each. Surrender to you in our day. That we purge the, 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 the sinful desires, the lust, the anger, the fears, the anxieties that, that tend to rule us. And that we will trust in your name and your name alone. That you are our shepherd. And that we will do this because you do all. You lead us, you restore us, you redeem us, you anoint us, you, you give us eternal hope. In eternal life, you, you discipline us in the valleys. Help us turn to you as our shepherd for your name's sake and not for ours. For your name's sake. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 